We are the Knights of Awakening. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the Ashlandites Internet Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Derek M. Thompson, a.k.a. Master Thompson, and I'm joined by our engineer and co-host, Charles of the Labyrinth. I um, want to thank all of you who, are, who might be listening uh, live, and uh, I want to start off with asking a question. How far would you go for security and peace? What would you do for it? What drastic actions would you take to protect the people that you love? How far would you go if, you know, you were in a situation where you had to sacrifice your being for the good of others? Let's say, you know, let's use the, the RoboCop scenario. You know, you're, you're in a field or you're in a, you're in a employee where you're facing not just adversity and hardship, but you're dealing with the dredges of society, the lowlifes. Every single day you're toe-to-toe with scum of the earth. And let's say you're, a, you're, you're in law enforcement or the military and something happens and you're injured grievously and there is a chance that your life could be saved, but you would be coming back not as you entirely, or mostly, you know, you would be coming back as an amalgamation of machine and cybernetics and flesh. Would you do it? Would you do it? Would you, would you, or could you allow a loved one to undergo that metamorphosis? Could you do that? You know, this article on the Day You Wine Sith, I'm just going to kind of read the synopsis of, of the RoboCop because it poses a very interesting question at the end. And it goes as, in the film RoboCop, a man is nearly killed in an explosion. Seizing the opportunity, a corporation that has been pushing the market, pushing to market their robotic police force in the United States rebuilds the man, mixing man and machine into a single efficient unit. However, as the film progresses, we see that what... They have done has alienated him from his family. What I wish to discuss here is the ethics of the situation. And he further continues with, when the man is brought back to life, he is given an upload of Detroit Police Department case files. When he views his own attempted murder case, he begins to seize up and become hysterical. 
the attempting the attending doctor, excuse me, manipulates his chemical balances. What he does, let me just break in here, is he adjusts his dopamine level, which was pretty weird to see that actually happen. That I think that scene with the adjustment of his dopamine level, I got a little bit apprehensive because that sort of like he he was changing his 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 brain chemistry to make him more pliable and compliant. There's two, you know, Officer Murphy was going nuts and spazzing over over what he was seeing, and he was acting the you know. The Detroit Police Department classified it as irrational, but what he was doing is just, he was basically going, he was starting to investigate his own murder. And to, be, and to stop it, they chemically altered his brain, his brain chemistry, and it was sort of weird to see that change take place, and he became less human and more machine. And I think that was bothersome to see. So continuing, uh, his chemical balances to practically dehumanize him, and that's exactly what it, it looked like too, by the way. He walks right past his family without even not acknowledging them and makes a public arrest within 60 seconds of walking into the open. It is later reported that he cuts crime rates by 60 to 80 percent, and in doing so, he has completely dehumanized himself, alien, again, alienating himself from his family, granted, not by choice, but it still stands. So the author poses the question, does this balance out in favor of the greater good since this is, um, and he's speaking from his own point of view, he says yes. The life of one man, one family, compared to hundreds, thousands, even millions, that such an operation could save their lives and, their, and, 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 and um, you know, protect and ensure their, stand, their quality of living is a small sacrifice, and it's, incons, it, it's, incons, it's insignificant compared to one person, one family. It's a true example of the of, of the of of the example of the greater good. I don't know how I feel about that because there was a conversation some time ago I got into with a member who was, in my opinion, and he'll he'll argue this until you know he wises up and sees that I'm right and he's wrong. Um, his perspective, he, you know, he's he's a card carrying libertarian. All right, I don't want to digress too much, but he's. A card-carrying libertarian, and my problem with people who card ca who carry their libertarian cards is you need to understand what that truly means. You know, if it's forefathers libertarianism, then okay, but understand that those were a bunch of rich dudes who didn't want to send taxes overseas, and they revolted. Now, yes, we like to kind of overlay the reasons for the American Revolution with a little bit more profundity than than that. But the the bottom line is they didn't want they didn't want representation well, taxation without representation. In other words, you're not going to tell me what to do when you're over there and I'm over here and I'm doing all this work and I'm sending I'm sending you know tribute back to you. It's not fair. It's not going to happen. And uh, you know go screw yourself. So that's basically how I see the beginning of the American Revolution. Okay. So I think when we look at examples of libertarianism and we say, okay, I'm a forefather's libertarian, okay, fine. I'll give that to you because I'm sure that you're not, you're, you're basically embracing the whole 
umbrella of what that era represented, quote-unquote. But there's another type of libertarianism, and, it's, and, and it's, it's insidious. And a lot of people don't understand. They don't see it. They, 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 they spew tenets and proverbs seeped in it, but they don't understand the genesis of it. Of what, they don't understand the depth of, from which they, what they say from which it comes from. And that type of libertarianism is, Aust- is based in Austrian economics. Now, I'm not going to, I try not to, you know, go into something different, but this Austrian economics, in my opinion, is a dollar cost averaging philosophy, not even a philosophy, that would give it some, some depth. This is no depth. It's an ideology that reconciles the relationship between people and the constructs of government and countries. All right? And what that means basically is, it it looks like it's tit for tat on the surface. If you don't pay your if you don't pay your share, then you shouldn't be able to eat. If you don't invest your 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 share of energy in the work, then you shouldn't be able to benefit from goods or services that come from that. If you you know if you don't pull your weight, then you shouldn't be given um, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be included in the spoils of of hard work. Now a lot of people. And, and, and most people sort of endorse that idea for the most part. I do in some regard. I know, Charles, you do, obviously. I mean, most people in some way, shape, or form on some level embrace those ideas d- depending on the circumstance and the situation. Now, what about the people who can't contribute? Not because they don't want to, but they cannot See, our society is very interesting. We believe in the sanctity of life and, and, and civil liberties and the rights of, of all people that, you know, you, you should be allowed to, 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 to live, flourish, and thrive, okay? No matter what the quality of that life might be, you have the right to do that. But if the quality is substandard, poor, okay, then how can you say, well, you can't contribute, so you can't, you know, you, 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 you can't benefit when you just got done saying, well, your life means something no matter how poor and inequitable it is, but yet you can't partake in, in these, these, these spoils and riches that are generated from work and energy, all right? But yet, you know, you can't have it both ways. And this is why we have, this is what the, 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 the you know, socialistic programs like welfare and Medicaid and Social Security and things of that were based on. They've become something different. And, and again, a conversation for another time. But they're based on that ideology, that, that reasoning that not everybody can do it. Not everybody can do it. Not everybody is born able to contribute. It's not a mental thing. It's a physical thing. And then after a while, everybody who is able to contribute degrades to a point where their, con- their contributions are limited or non-existent. So what happens then? You've worked for a system your whole life to make strong and healthy, and then now you're not strong and healthy. That system just throws you out? Well, yeah, certain cultures, early cultures, that was the way of things. But we're an advanced society. We can't be doing things like that. We just can't. There's no reason for it. We can use some of the profits and riches and spoils from the system that is, has been made healthy and help those who contributed in the past and even, though, and, and even those who can't, not 
those who won't, but those who can't. And see, this is the problem with Austrian economics. I'm, I'm simplifying the shit out of this ideology because if we got into it, Charles knows, I think, Charles, you saw a few of those exchanges with me and that guy. I mean, it is, it is, it's, it's almost like looking at uh, ideological calculus if I got into it. It really is. It's, it's, it's really deep shit. So I'm simplifying this so you understand where I'm coming from. So this member, you know, touts himself as a libertarian, and, and, and yet at the same time, you know, if you don't do this, then you don't get this. Well, what about the, again, what about the people who can't? You know, what about, I mean, and how early does contribution start? How late does it go in life? You know, there comes a point where retirement, the idea of retirement is, okay, you've, you've, you've done your share. You've put your, you've put your back into life. Now, here's some time off to enjoy and reflect on the hard work and life that you've made for, the, for yourself and those around you. There's an earnest understanding of what retirement means, what it represents, all right? So taking, going back to the original topic, all right, the problem with you know, the good of the many versus the good of the few arguments is that it comes down to numbers. It comes down to math. Okay? And here's where I disagree with the author to a degree of this, of this original topic. The author says it is worth it. It is worth one man's life. It is worth the sacrifice of one family that others can benefit from that from that from 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 this from from their inequity from their sacrifice and struggle okay okay so the complete breakdown of a person's humanity and reconstruction into something other than flesh and blood the complete access that that gives um, engineers and doctors to absolutely tinker with every facet of your mind, be it, uh, 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 how do I say, not thinking, but, um, oh yeah, thinking in the form of uploads and coding to chemistry to, I mean, I'm sure, and there were kill switches put inside this thing in case he ran amok. I mean, Where's the liberty and in, in, where's that person's liberty? Where's that individual's liberty? Where is that individual's rights? You know, and it, you know, it, it's one thing to volunteer to, for, for an expend, experimental program. Of course, you're going to give up some of your liberties. But now you're looking at a family. You're looking at other people who have lost a loved one, and they're going to lose a loved one again for the greater good of what? To society? For humanity? Who gets to make that decision? Who gets to make that decision? And to who gets to who gets to argue the truth? The 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 who gets to argue the you know, the approval of such a decision as, okay, well it comes down to dollars and cents. It comes down to numbers. You know? I, I disagree with that. Once you start bringing quote, dollar cost averaging, end quote, 
into any situation, and, and it's hard not to, because life is, is a zero-sum game. Somebody wins, somebody loses. Obviously, it comes down to every situation, every circumstance comes down to averaging. Averaging loss and, and accounting for liability, okay? It, it does. So I guess the question, is it worth it? Is it, is it right? I don't, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I don't think I don't think anybody has that to say. I don't think anybody has that right to do that. Charles, what do you think? You think it's? You think it's I I think I went in on this, and I want to I want to recap because you you have hit the gamut today, Master T. You've you've hit every topic under the sun. So let's recap a little bit for the listener. Okay, we started this off with the basics of Robocop. And what are you willing to give up, right, for safety and for the safety of others more than anything? And what should society be able to ask you to give up? And we take this from the fact that in the Robocop movie, the main character is brought back from death. And to make this fitting, I, spoiler alert, everyone, spoiler alert, the only thing he has available in terms of his original bio-organic parts is his brain, his eyes, his heart, his lungs, and one hand. Right. I want you to really, really think about that. You are a touch-based organism with so many extra senses. He gave up everything and was forced to give up everything. He wasn't cons- consulted or asked right. to consent. He, they just kind of wake him up and like, guess what? You're RoboCop. Deal with it. Um, and this is due to a and I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna rib you for this uh, because he was grievously injured, is the way you put it. I seen what you did there. <laughs> we all seen what you did there, Master Thompson. Grievously injured. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. <clears throat> you know, like, the only thing left of him would be, like, maybe heart and lungs. Yeah. <laughs> For all of those who didn't get what he did there, go back and watch more Star Wars. Yep. All right. But, yeah, he's grievously injured to the point where the only thing functional are the prime, what I would call the core elements of your, your living system. You know, stomach, heart, lungs brain stem and the extrasensory organs for the eyes and ears he has no touch based sensory i guess he has pressure sensory on the armor itself which is the robotic shell that he now occupies when he's not in his uh deep sleep tank that lets him kind of live in his own dream world which is far comparatively better than the rest of what they did to him oh, shit. wow got, the question the is not yes the question is not is this is this worth it to you? But does this is does society have a right to make this worth it to others? If I'm correct, right? That's right, what right, you're right. asking. And exactly. at what point is your humanity something that sh- that must be respected? Well, first with this, when it comes to the choice to replace a limb or even to replace the entire body, if you make that choice, I think you should have a right to. You know, I'm a big fan of what I always say is that. Uh, I'm a big fan of freedom of choice, even when morality doesn't coincide with my own morality. And we always hit the abortion topic, and I'm not pro-abortion, but I'm not against it in the sense that I feel that I need to go, you know, destroy an abortion clinic somewhere. I believe that the freedom of choice is a personal thing, and far be it for me to decide what someone else should do with their body. But, you know, I would not be in favor of it, and... Certainly, if a woman got pregnant, you know, with my child, I would definitely campaign to keep the child's life sanctified and alive. And I say that now, but then again, I'm, you know, I'm a poor man living in the suburbs. 
Uh, you know, I make less than most people ever imagine living off of. And I'll tell you right now, um, even then, you know, I, I can only say my morality is good right now that I'm not in the situation. I have no idea if I could hold to my guns given that pressure. So all of that said, I'm still a fan of freedom of choice. And I use that as a context for you. And I'm wise enough to know where I may even be hypocritical with that. I would definitely replace a lost hand. Um, funny note with my injured pinky here from sword fighting. I would definitely replace a lost hand. Can we start with this one? <laughs> I'll tell you what. I think I'd rather get hit in the balls. Um, <laughs> at least when they swell up, it looks impressive. You're like, what is that? <laughs> you know, your pinky finger swells up. People look at you. Anyway, my point, you know, I, I, if, I, if I lost all the usability in, in, my, in my primary hand, my right hand, I'd definitely get that replaced. My left hand, I don't know so much because for as much as I use it, um, there's not much I couldn't do with a hook on it. And I know that sounds pretty terrible. But retraining, and if I lost both hands, yeah, certainly I'm, I'm in favor of allowing a person to make that choice. And even if I lost my entire body and I made the choice to become this robotic... Uh, this robotic uh, robo, not even really RoboCop at that point. He was more like, you know, 99% uh, robot, 1% cop, you know. Yeah, yeah, that, if, if you're willing to make that choice, I certainly think you should have a right to, but should we be able to enforce that? And what we're really asking is, is your body a resource to society? That's really what you're asking, and that's that's why that's that's where the loop. And I don't know if you you're 100 conscious that you did it, but that's where that subconscious loop comes in with where you where you were hitting all these other topics. No, no I'm glad you picked up on it though, because I did yeah. not. I didn't. So go ahead. Yeah. That, you're you're asking should your body be a resource for society? Well, first of all, I disagree with the economic structure as it stands. Okay, there is no reason that a janitor should be making less money than I do or more money than I do when they're doing just the same amount of work as I as I'm putting in. You know what? Um, your job is a lot more dangerous than mine, but with a lot of the same stresses involved. Uh, for those who those who don't know, and I'm gonna be hitting on this with the. Uh, with the alterations and chemicals that they used in the movie after I hit the primary point. Because I am going to hit that secondary point that you hit on that disturbed you. Uh, specifically because you work in a gentleman's club. Yeah. But uh, you work in a gentleman's club. I work in a grocery store. And I'm going to tell you, being on the service end of it, and I work as a what's called a uh, service technician, which basically means, you know, the complaint department, that little desk that gets all the bullshit. I'm, I'm the guy who has to mop that up at the end of the day. Um. Yes, and that's no fun. And we get a lot of the same issues. And what that is, we get people with bad attitudes. We've either got to try to get happy or we got to try to get gone, depending on our mood, the mood of the person in charge of us, and the situation at hand. Because there's a lot of times I'm sure you've just talked someone down and they, they were good for the rest of the day. You didn't need to kick them out. And then there's a lot of times where you look at someone and you're, you're like, hey, look, I'm sorry, but you just violated like four different policies and you got 30 seconds to get out of here before the police show up, so... Have fun. Um, you know, working in that industry, looking at the world from that point of view, are we resources to be used? I hate to tell you, we are, but we're not. And what I mean by that, we don't need to be. They don't need you and they don't need me. And what I mean for that, Master Derek Thompson, if you didn't show up to work tomorrow... The world would keep on spinning and they could find someone else to do the job. Someone, if you just 
said, hey, I don't want to work anymore. Bouncing is not something I enjoy. You would no longer need to be a bouncer. Should you be put, should you be asked to perform some service? Yes, but the other side of that is the service that you have a calling towards, if that wasn't it. And actually, that is your calling. That's the irony in the statement that I make. And we've had this discussion, the evolution of you and your job systems. Yeah. Uh, you know, your calling is to protect, and that is one area where you can be the protector and the defender. You know, that is your calling. But let's say it wasn't. Let's say what you really wanted to be was an artist. Then we should have a society developed that should encourage, allow, and promote the ability for you to do that. But so long as we have a financial society, we are resources. And we're resources that aren't needed. And that's the worst. That's the damning part of it. Is they don't need you. They don't need me. They have so many of us that the gears will keep grinding and grind our bones through them. And we serve no real irreplaceable function because it is financially based. And we have so many people out of employment because there's no need for the jobs. So... Are we resources? Yes, we are. We are the lungs and the eyes and the heart inside a metal shell. Whether we want to escape that or not, we are told we have to be. Do we really need to be? Not really, because honestly, for the amount of work that needs done, 10% of the population could do the work and 90% of the population could benefit from the yeah. things that need to be done that do not need to be automated. And for the remainder that could be automated... Then after that, really, we should be encouraging people. And this is what gets me about a, an economic-driven society, which is what we are. We've lost the space race. We no longer are diving into space. We no longer have that dire need to improve ourselves because we are resources. So why the hell do we need to improve if we're nothing more than, if we're nothing more than meat that's being fried up? So I'm going to bring another... Uh, Supernatural, we're watching the different uh, seasons of it, and I forget what season we're up to. Me and my girlfriend have been going through this, and we love the show. And they come to a point where there's this nefarious uh, group, I'm not going to give too many spoilers, but they're basically preparing the human race as cattle. I got news for you, that's a social commentary. We're already cattle, we're just cattle that expends energy instead of meat, and it has to be kept alive instead of dying to satisfy the hunger of those that we are feeding. And the problem is it's because it's economically based. So we are already giving up everything, okay? For all you know, if I were to set you out in an art college, you may become the greatest artist of all time. In fact, I would bet you could definitely become one of the greatest production engineers for Hollywood, given the resources, the time, and the training, because I've seen your work, and that's with, a, that's with an amateur's level of knowledge and an amateur's level of equipment, and you're, pro you're producing what's called mid-level, uh, mid-level high quality, mid-level uh, professional quality goods with none of the equipment and without professional actors there to help you and all of those other thousand things. Well, so, okay. thank you. No, it's truthful, and this is my point, okay? That may be one of your big callings that if the world worked differently, it wasn't, man, I've got to earn my paycheck, right? Which means I love being a bouncer, but I would really love to be this kind of an engineer doing this, but that's too bad because I need the paycheck now, and what I would have to go through to get from point A to point B is just financially irresponsible to even attempt. Well, that's, that, is, that is the most condemning note that I can make for our society, is that you've become this resource, and you could be the next Spielberg. And we just don't know it yet. 
And that's kind of my point. I see so many people with so many gifts that would make such great counselors. We should not have teen violence because there should be so many people trained as counselors that there should be someone for them to go to. But we are an economically driven society. We don't care that kids are shooting each other on the street. We don't care that people can't get good medical attention at a medical center because there's not enough doctors because the people that would have made good doctors didn't get a chance to get the training. That there are not enough nurses because people that could have done really good in that field given an environment where they could flourish didn't get to get the training. No, we don't care about that. What we care about is the almighty dollar, so we're already resources. Now, the question, the dire driving question is, since we are Hamburger, how much rights does Hamburger have? And how much do we have a right to refuse to be being eaten, okay, at this point? And despite the fact that we are not much more than, uh, actually, we're closer to being cheese because we have to be kept around so that we can age properly. Despite the fact that we are cheese, we do have, at least we should have, if, if, if I'm upset about the current social structure and what it causes of our society to be, then I must certainly say that we should have a sufficient application of rights, a sufficient application of dignity that no one should be able to take and use our bodies in that way. Yet, they can, and they do, and they will, to some degree... That extreme is still too far. But here's the thing. The Robocop movie takes place, what, 50 years in our future, I believe? 2060-something? And if you look at the way we're being conditioned, when is the last time you were prescribed something by a doctor where the field tests showed something, you know, this has a certain degree of safety, and then a year later... You look on the news and it's like, if you've taken this medicine and are experiencing right. these symptoms afterwards, holy crap, you're a lab rat. Right, right. You know, we're, we're, being, we're being slowly conditioned into that. How many chemicals are put in your food that have had a base level line of testing? Yeah, five years of testing. And then 10 years later, it's found out that they cause cancer because it takes 15 years through trial and experiment to determine whether or not that is a cancerogen. Holy crap, we're lab rats. So we're slowly being conditioned to a point mentally where this would not be that shocking. It's shocking because the person who wrote this movie script seen that and said, wow, if I hit on what we're moving towards, people will see enough of it in their day-to-day -day that this will shock them. This is like that old black-and-white movie Metropolis, which is one of the yeah. hardest things to watch today. Even though it's one of the great movies, it's so hard to watch it nowadays yeah. because... We have such different standards. But if you look at it, everything that was seen back then that we look at, and say, that's not that bad. We look at, oh, that's that's not that much different than where I'm at now. Yeah, it was shocking then because back then things were so much different than they are now. And that's, that's, that's my take on it. Should we be allowed to be a resource to that degree? I don't think we should be being resources at all. I think I really hate to say this. I've been watching Star Trek The Next Generation again. Someone stop me. I've got a marathon at at least once every two months. But I've been watching it again, and there is a moment where they pick up people from our time. Well, it's 1980s, so I guess from our past. Uh, 
And they're like, the one fellow's like, I need to talk to my lawyer. I need to talk to my accountant. I saw that one. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, he's very astute when, when dealing with the Klingons. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. When he was dealing with actually the Romulans. But yeah, I just walked it a, a day ago. So it's fresh in my mind. Yeah. And he says, uh, Picard says, we have reached a point in our civilization where we better ourselves for the sheer joy of bettering ourselves. We've reached that evolution as a culture. And we don't need money. And I'm telling you that until we reach that point, we're keys. We're keys and we're hamburger, and that's all we are. We are only a mechanism to provide power to someone above us so that they can use that power against other people at the same level. And if you don't believe me, we even create a Senate and a House of Representatives for it. We call it a Congress which is also what a herd of baboons having a meeting is. We call it a Congress. We have them battle out, taking our collected willpower as theirs, right? And using that to battle each other and so that they may battle other people who have a financial edge on them who are then, you know, taking our money and our hard work and our time and our efforts so that they may battle other people. So what we are, we are the little tiny cogs in a very big machine meant to turn a very large gear for its own satisfaction so that it may go up against other gears that's where we're at and that's where we shouldn't be and the idea of going even further than that to becoming an almost Borg-like race and another Star Trek reference you know the idea of going that far is repulsive but sadly so is how far we've already come to me at least now I'm going to hit on something else though you were shocked. You were dismayed. Master Thompson, you were dismayed and shocked. I heard you crying almost at what they did to that poor man with altering his dopamine levels. Like yeah, the same that way. That was the, wild. Would you remember that? Scene? I know. I, I know. It isn't and it's so scary because every time you sit down for, for, for a highball, you're doing the same thing. Every time you're having a bad night because you're stressed, you know, maybe you and the lady are having issues, maybe you and your family are having issues, something, right? And you're like, man, I just can't sleep tonight, okay? You know, before chemical-inducing alterations, what you would do is you'd resolve the issue either internally, well, I'm going to do this tomorrow, or you would go out and you would resolve the issue with the person. Like, well, you know what you said to me hurt, so you better take it back because... I'm not going to live with this feeling, and I'm going to get this out on you today. That was how it was handled 50 and 100 years ago. Actually, no, it was handled the same way. So we've been doing this forever. What they did to him was no different than you going in for a Coke at the bar and talking to me, and we're having a conversation. I'm like, man, you don't need a Coke. You need a, you need a vodka. Yeah. Master T, this, this, this concoction here that I've now melted the spoon I've stirred it with has sufficient alcohol content for your issue. Wow, you know what? That's the exact same thing we already do. And we do it by choice. So what they did to him, as repulsive as it is, was no different than you being at the bar, you're having a bad day, and you're talking with your buddy, and you started out with a, what do you prefer, Coke or Pepsi? Pepsi. Pepsi, you started out with a Pepsi, and he, uh, he, gives you, he gives you a shot of uh, a shot of rum and Coke, okay? So he switched your soda up on you. He gave you a new soda to try. He switches you out for a shot of rum and Coke, right? And what do you do? You do what we all do. You take it and you drink it because you know what? It can't make you feel any worse, can it? 
So, you know, you take about two or three of those down, and all of a sudden you're feeling pretty good, and your problems have melted away, right? Well, you know what? That is exactly the same thing they did to him. The only difference was your buddy pretended that you had a choice, because if you hadn't drank it, if you hadn't taken it, after he orders it for you, then you're already at an emotional point where you cannot cross. You've already hit a point where you're at some level of dishonor and self-disdain. You're already feeling too low, so you're pressured into taking it. You know what? This is the same thing we do with a married couple. Okay, Whenever a married couple is having issues and one of them gets so stressed, they finally say the S word. They're going to suicide, right? Oh, my God. Like Everyone doesn't think about it at least four times a year. Okay? This is a normal reoccurring thought in the human brain patterns. The trick is most people are smart enough not to talk about it because you get locked up if you do. Everyone thinks about it. No one does it because it's really a really it, it's not as much fun as it sounds. The fact that married couples get into these arguments, I'm like, you know what? I should just kill myself. And the next thing you know, the man or the woman is locked up. And what is what is the doctor doing? Oh, we got to adjust those dopamine levels. Here, take this and this and this and four of these and five of these. And here, shoot this down with this rum and coke while you're at it. You know, you're over there. You just Someone just stole your drink. And now we've got some poor fool who's seeing dragons running through the hospital ward. But that's okay. Because we did it within the system, Master Thompson. We did it within the system, and we pretended to ask them before we made them take the pills. Well, I guess... We said... Uh, well, I, I guess, first off, you did as, you did an awesome job uh, bringing, you know, bringing some gravity to this. And I loved, I loved the, res you know, the resources of the state. I mean, that's exactly what I was trying to... You, you just encapsulated it perfectly. But here's the thing, Charles. I understand completely what you're saying, and I agree with you. You're absolutely right. There's no difference than me sitting at a bar and having, you know, a couple of martinis to, you know, deal with the stresses and the issues of the day, okay, that are causing me uh, discomfort and, and, and anxiety. Of course, you're absolutely right. It's why people self-medicate. This is why you're absolutely right. People smoke weed. People do heroin. People do coke. They do everything they could possibly do for th those type of people who cannot handle the adversity and equity of life. Sure, they, they find an easy way out and they find ways to deal with it. Absolutely. But here's the difference. They choose to do it. Okay? And you, and you also reference the, you know, and I think it's a good reference too, the, you know, um, the domestic with, the, you know, the, and, and I, we're just going to say both parties. It's not, it's not you, know, it, you know, both people nowadays, you know, they're, they're prescribing everything to anybody you know, Klonopin, friggin' Adderall, you name it. I mean, there's a pill for everything out there. Um, and, 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 and I think that the, the state is shoving them down people's throats um, needlessly. So, yes, you're absolutely right. They're controlling dopamine levels. By, but here's the thing. There's a bedside manner there, though. Okay? It doesn't make it right. And I know you're going to say, I know, I know your mind. You're going to go, oh, but it's okay if we sit by the bed and hold a hand and say, Here you, here's, your, here's your, your method, here's your pill of control, here's your, here's your ease and comfort pill. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there is a level of connectivity and personal interaction um, before someone messes with your chemistry. Now, that does not make it right. It does not make it right, okay? I think what bothered me was, like you 
I think you were going to go into, I cut you off, I think you were going to go. We've gotten to a point in the future where the bedside manner is, fuck that, gone. Don't, no, no need for it, okay? And the choice, we've already covered that, okay? There is no choice because we're resources for the state. So when you see that construct in its black and white form in front of you, let's just lower its dopamine levels with a, 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 a lever knob, if that's what it was. I don't remember how they do it, but I'm sure they turned something and lowered his friggin' dopamine levels. That was at the mo- That is what resonated to me. This person is a product. There is no person there now. Whatever individual, individuality this guy had left, Officer Murphy had left, that was gone. All right? But correct and, me if I'm wrong, and this is, this, this is where the point of hope has to come in at. And this, I'm going to tie into what we're doing right now, having this conversation. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he still wound up fighting it, even without the dopamine levels. He did. He did. It was and this is, this, is the, right. yeah. this is the thing. We live in a society where you and I, we get subjected to it all the time, different levels and degrees of control. Everyone gets subjected to it through the news media, through medication. Heck, you know what? I took an aspirin, an ibuprofen, two ginger root pills this morning, a niacin, and a B12. Why? Because that combination really makes my finger feel a lot better. (laughs) Some of those are for energy to help me wake up, but the ginger root's an anti-inflammatory also, which you have no idea. It's wonderful. Everyone try ginger root. I'm not plugging. I'm just saying. Anyway, my point is we're going to self-medicate, and we're going to have a level of that. At the end of the day, your chemistry isn't what makes you who you are. It's the decisions you've made to be who you are. And right now, we are two men fused with machines sending a message against this idea that we should be a product. I want you to really... And you know what? Irony. At the irony of the fact that we are following in the footsteps of the fictional RoboCop, you know... In, in both movies, he fights the programming at different points, and I'm not going to give any spoilers, but there are moments in both movies that are eerily similar where he fights through that pre-programmed block. And, you know, a part of me wants to say the system is great and the system is working, and it needs to be because I'm part of the system and I benefit from being part of the system. But you know what? Dead or alive, it's got to stop. 